Hi folks, it's Barb Stengel with a bonus back to school commentary to let you know we're thinking about you as the school year gets underway. Perhaps the central factor contributing to the success of Bailey STEM Magnet Middle School was the confidence that Principal Sawyer had in the teachers and teacher leaders at the school. Again and again, he allowed the teams and the teachers to decide what and how to teach their scholars at any point in time. He let them make their own mistakes, recognize when they had gone astray, and then make it right themselves. That means he also let them craft the context for their students' real growth and development. When Suzanne Cassidy, the opinion editor at Lancaster Newspapers and Lancaster Online, approached me about writing a back-to-school commentary on the theme, Let Teachers Teach, I jumped at the chance. I share that commentary with you here. An experienced educator's plea, Let Teachers Teach, by Barbara Stengel, August 20th, 2023. The end of summer has always been a bittersweet time for teachers. There's excitement about encountering new students on the first day of school, tempered by the awareness that the extra cup of morning coffee time to read the newspaper, and the joy of getting all the way through a novel will be on hold for the next 10 months. There's something else that makes this time more bitter than sweet for teachers in our current pattern of school policy and politics. It has become more and more difficult to teach, that is, to do what it takes to enable each and every student to grow in knowledge and virtue so that their actions in the world make sense for themselves and for their communities. In this bittersweet moment, I say, let teachers teach. What's stopping teachers from teaching? The list, sadly, is endless. It begins with controlling state and federal policies, even well-intended ones. It is exacerbated by ongoing political squabbles that really aren't about the growth of children. And it is made unnecessarily onerous by school leaders who should know better than to get in the way of teaching and learning. The present policy climate in K-12 public schools is marked by an accountability mindset that equates one very narrow measure of learning and achievement state standardized test scores, with the growth of individual students. The net effect of this 20-year focus has been to narrow the curriculum to what is tested, to label children and schools as failing, and then to chase talented teachers away from the profession. Which part of that formula is a win for our children and our communities? That this frustrates teachers is obvious, and understandable. The culture wars. The politics of schooling have become intolerable, as we have seen over and over again in recent months. We handcuff teachers who simply want to get, their know their, get to know their students by stopping them from using the name or pronoun a child prefers or requiring that teachers prematurely report shared confidences of all kinds. 
Even worse are the pitched political battles that directly impact teachers' practice and constrain teachers from exercising their judgment. The current version of reading wars, pitting the science of reading against a balanced view of literacy, is a non-issue for anybody who actually teaches children to read. Phonics versus meaningful interpretation of texts? Oh, come on. Of course, phonics is a significant and substantial part of learning to read. But decoding words is not enough. Phonics must be thoroughly taught alongside a wide range of reading, writing, listening, and speaking experiences. It is the experience that makes phonics skills meaningful. Efforts to whitewash history curricula or scrub references to climate change from science lessons are just as bad and just as silly. What are we afraid of? Surely you have seen the Ruby Bridges meme with its photo of six-year-old Ruby flanked by federal marshals on the steps of an unwelcoming segregated school with the caption, if this child was strong enough to survive it, your child is strong enough to learn about it. Our children are strong and resilient and already know more than we think. They will not respect us for pretending otherwise. And just a word about banning books for any reason. What's funny to me is that critics think kids are running to get their hands on banned books. I wish they were. We would have something substantive to think about. Here's a little secret. Teachers too are resilient. They can handle this. They can handle differences of opinion with grace and dignity and teach our kids to do the same. They can recognize what children of any age are ready for and not ready for and introduce discomforting ideas and issues with care and in due time. Losing focus. The current brew of policy and politics has put school leaders in a vice grip as well. And too many of them lose focus of their primary job, which is to create the best possible conditions for teaching and learning. Too many teachers have their hands tied by leaders who mistakenly still think that the way out of the test score conundrum is to teach the t- to the test or seek order for its own sake. We proved both ideas wrong a long time ago and are living with the consequences. One consequence is foolishly believing that if we can just fix teachers, then all our educational problems will be solved. We occupy teachers' time and attention with professional development that is not even marginally useful. We've known for decades that the best, most effective, most welcome professional development is the kind that arises from actual classroom challenges and provides teachers with collaborative support, time for reflection, and the resources to make changes in practice and environment as needed. Hour after hour of mandated participation in prescribed how-to sessions is unlikely to have the intended effect when teachers want and need time to consult with each other and to prepare, prepare thoughtful classroom environments and challenging but doable curriculum materials. Cruel Optimism 
Today, teachers are living through what American scholar Lauren Berlant called cruel optimism, a condition, quote, when something you desire is actually an obstacle to your own flourishing, unquote. They become teachers to enable students to learn and grow, and then are dismayed to discover that the job of teacher actually prevents them from doing just that. External control strangles teachers' responsibility. Growth gives way to test prep, and learning's delicate balance of discomfort and discovery is damaged by raw political infighting. What do teachers need to teach well? They need time, support, and resources. They do not need orders or external control from those who either don't understand the sheer human complexity of what they do every day or have been diverted from the teacher's focus by the real but tangential demands of administration. In June 2022, actor Matthew McConaughey, who was born in Uvalde, Texas, drew a distinction between control and responsibility in an Austin American Statesman column pleading for sensible gun laws. He highlighted an irony that applies here. Control actually impedes responsibility. It is only when we remove the constraints that impede teachers' capacity to act responsibly in actual circumstances that they can and will develop drive and teaching mastery. Teachers are entering this school year with clear purpose and the desire to further develop mastery in and through their experience with students. But drive will only be realized if we offer the autonomy that allows them to practice their craft within the community of like-minded educators. I'm not suggesting that school leaders and policymakers have no role to play in the development of educational practice. But their role is one of responsibility rather than control. Of course, there should be shared curricular guides and regular checks on outcomes of all kinds, including on students' emotional and mental health and on their engagement in learning activities. But the affirmative role of school administrators and policymakers is to provide the resources that teachers need to work effectively and creatively with students. Administrators and policymakers should structure the time for teachers to learn from each other, remove any hurdle that impedes the development of teachers' expertise, and then get out of the way. We can trust teachers to make the decisions that benefit individual students and the communities we live in. Teachers are, after all, deeply conservative in the very best ways in the ways that value human potential and societal preservation. That's why they became teachers. If we see them as liberal, it is because their calling as educators demands that they see that same potential and preservation in each and every child they encounter. Let teachers respond to real children in the fullness of their and our lives. Let teachers teach.
As the newspaper reported, I have been experiencing this bittersweet back-to-school experience as an educator since 1976. There's a part of me that wonders why we haven't figured it out by now. But we're going to keep trying here at Chasing Bailey. We are getting ready for our second season with a continued focus on the experience of educators and their students. Watch for our announcement about what's to come.